Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Fit Body Podcast. I'm your host, Elle, and I'm here with my co-host, Jules, for another episode of a guide to tracking your macros. So the first episode is up today. It actually just went live, so head over and listen to that one first to hear a little bit about Jules and her experience with working as a dietitian. And we also cover all the basics of macronutrients. So today's episode, we're going to dive into tracking macros and actually inputting them into a food tracker and some of our recommendations for that. We're going to talk about some more of the details involving incorrect tracking incorrect items in the tracking apps and how to correct those things. We're going to talk about eating out and estimating what your food intake is so you can still live a normal, functioning, healthy, and happy life involving food, surrounding food that you can still enjoy and reach your fitness goals. So Jules, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Excited to delve into a little more in depth on this topic. As always, enjoying my time spending on podcasts with Elle. So we're ready to dig into this topic. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get started right away. So first question that I get when someone says, okay, I figured out the macros. I get sort of kind of carbs, protein, and fats, like, cool, those are the macros. They're like, so now what? And so the next step that we always have our clients do is they download something on their phone. Most people prefer to do it on their phone. It's just a little bit easier. Some more old school people like to do it by hand, but that tends to take a lot more time. But we suggest that you download a macro tracking app. And so that first one we're going to talk about, and the one that we're going to make reference to is MyFitnessPal. It tends to be one of the most popular and also it has a really big database of food and some verified foods in there. So that's the one we're going to reference today, which is MyFitnessPal. Yes. And I think that's a really good point. You most certainly can use many different ways to keep track of your food intake. You can do it on paper, like a traditional food diary, an Excel spreadsheet using, there's a gazillion of those things out there in app world. But MyFitnessPal has been around for a long time. I think of it as this huge machine processing the numbers and macros is really all about numbers. And so when you have something that makes your life easier, when it comes to crunching numbers for most of us, you know, we, we warmly embrace it. And I do know that, you know, there's a free version and there's a paid for version. A lot of things that you need to do for just keeping track of what you're doing, you don't need to pay for the upgrade, but the upgrade does have some bells and whistles. And we are by any standards not sponsored by MyFitnessPal. We've just been using it for a really we should long be. time. <laughs> I know that would be nice. We probably should, you know, maybe we could reach out to them and work, yeah, work something out. But it is one, it's a communication tool and it really learns what you put in and helps you to make it easier the more you use it. So that's why we like that one. Perfect. So once you have this app on your phone and you're ready to start tracking, you're going to input what your calculated macros were. And then here goes the tricky part for just a very short amount of time. The first few days of tracking macros can seem extremely challenging. It can seem time-consuming, 
But that first initial setup of tracking is usually the hardest. That's where I suggest that when you do download the app, you start going around your pantry, your fridge, and you start scanning all the things that you typically eat. Because one of the beauties of MyFitnessPal is they have an option to scan anything with a barcode. And almost everything comes up unless it's a barcode for a specialty food or a specialty shop that isn't in, I don't even know what database that would be in, (laughs) that they're all under all those barcodes. But you're able to just start to create a little library of all the things that you potentially eat or currently eat. Yes. And even produce or things that don't come in a bag, a box, or some type of container, glass jar, whatever. Remember in the last podcast, I talked about the big USDA blue book. Well, in the food tracker, if you use the letters USDA and then the food items, so USDA, D-A, green peppers, then you'll come up with that database that I told you about. Okay. So that's just a little fun little trick that you can do. So if you go, oh, I was going to have green peppers today, but there's no barcode. What do I do? So you can yeah, put perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a huge one. That's usually for all fruits, vegetables, any type of meat that you're looking at, meat, poultry, fish, some of those things that aren't like those processed things, like it's not a box of oatmeal. And one thing to remember with tracking macros is that you are tracking everything that has calories. So it's everything that you eat. So it's things like the apple that you had at lunch, it's the dessert you had after dinner, but it's also the creamer and sugar that you put in your coffee. So everything, if you're you know, getting down to the nitty gritty of it and tracking absolutely everything that you eat, it's everything that goes into your mouth. And so that's kind of the first step. Okay, where do I start? What needs to be tracked? And what essentially makes up your daily calorie intake? Okay. Yes, correct. And so spending that time scanning things and entering them in, you're going to have the macronutrients that are of that food item, but then you have to assign it a portion that you're actually consuming. And that's where it can get a little bit tricky because you will see that, let's take a food, for example, Jules, what's a good food to explain how to measure out portion sizes I was going to suggest using cereal. And so maybe Perfect. something like cornflakes. Let's use cornflakes as an corn example. Cornflakes are disgusting. Let's do well, Reese's Puffs. an example. A lot of people might have some type of cornflakes or flake cereal <laughs> in their cabinet. <laughs> okay. All right. You're right. Okay. Let's go with Honey Nut Cheerios. because Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> they are like the goat. They're the best. So... If we take something like Honey Nut Cheerios, we pull it out the pantry, it has its little nutrition facts label on it. One of the hardest things for a lot of people are understanding what to read off of that nutrition label. So there are probably, I'd say probably five to six really important things on that label if you're tracking macros. The first thing is going to be total calories. Second thing is going to be fat. Third is carbs. Fourth is protein. Fifth will be what the serving size is, which is the actual number in weight that you're going to be able to consume. Right. You might want to look at fiber as well since we talk about the fiber, but definitely you'll want to take a look at the serving size that the box will suggest. And then all of the macronutrient content 
that you will see on the label will be in reference to that serving size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you decide that you want to have a serving, say the serving for Cheerios is 31 grams, which is maybe what, a half a cup probably, you're going to weigh out or use like whatever the half cup serving is, usually using a scale and measuring things in weight in grams is one of the most accurate ways. Measuring cups and tablespoons, teaspoons, all of those different measuring aids will be good for somebody. But if you really want to be specific, measuring it in weight is usually the best option. So For example, you would take your scale. We didn't even tell you guys that you may need a food scale. So this is a good time to tell you that getting a small food scale at the store, you can get them at all sorts of places. You can order them on Amazon. I can even drop a link in the description box of one of my favorite scales that I think I got off Amazon. So I'll do that all for you if you're looking for, looking to level up and start measuring your food. But so what you'll do is you will put your bowl onto the scale. You will tear it, so you'll make it at zero. You'll check to see that the reading is in grams, and then you will pour in your, what did I say it was, 31 grams of Honey Nut Cheerios into that bowl. And so that bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios, that 31 grams that you have measured, is the equivalent to what is on that nutrition label. So say it's two fat, 26 carbs, and for protein. That would be the breakdown of the nutrition for that serving. Yeah, I was just going to interject um, just a very important factor here that I think is very confusing for a lot of people when they first start to look at, you know, tracking macros, when we start to throw the term grams around. And I thought maybe I should just explain that or remind people or explain to those who are not aware of the fact that we talk about grams in terms of food and nutrition as having a physical weight of a particular food, such as our example of Honey Nut Cheerios weighing 31 grams for the serving. But then Elle mentioned each of those macronutrients in gram sizes. This can be very confusing because you think, oh, of this 31 grams, I've got four grams protein, 27 grams, I'm doing this from memory also. 26. (laughs) Of carbs and how much from fat? Probably three. But if I add all those up, that adds up more than 31. Yes, correct, because it's not equivalent. They're not related. So you will have in the 31 grams weight of those Honey Nut Cheerios, the macronutrients of certain number of protein, some certain number of carb, certain number of fat. So you can see this is where the food tracker will do the math for you and add up over your addition of food after food after food to give you the sum total for what you've entered for the protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So we have a physical weight of a food, and then we have the components of the nutrition in the macros in grams, but they are referencing slightly different things there. Just, I've had people be confused about that and they'll send me a picture of what they think that they're eating X number (laughs) of grams of a food. And I'm horrified because I realized that they didn't understand that that didn't mean, you know, that they're weighing that particular food. Right, right. 20 grams of protein and it's like barely a speck of chicken. So for example, 
if someone would accidentally say, okay, well, I want 25 grams of carbs from sweet potatoes, they would only weigh 25 grams of sweet potatoes thinking that that 25 grams of sweet potato gave you 25 carbs, which isn't the case. So it's just important to remember or recognize that grams in weight are completely different than the grams of carbs, protein, and fat. To go back a little bit to our serving size and the bowl of Cheerios that we have, if you decided, well, you actually want to have two servings of Cheerios or even let's actually say one and a half servings. So you would have to take the serving size, which say it was 31 and divide it in half. We'll just call it 15. That means that you would have 15 more grams of weight in that bowl of Cheerios, but you'd also have to plug into MyFitnessPal. Not only are you having one serving, but you're having 1.5 servings. So one and a half servings. And that's how you kind of manipulate the serving sizes so that you don't have to only eat foods that are just one serving of this, one serving of that, because there may be times where you want three servings of something and you'll just have to double check when you go into track it that you are actually putting into the tracker the number of servings that you are consuming. Exactly, exactly. And this also helps you to think about portion sizes because portions are really everything. When we talk about when people say, oh, well, I'm going to improve my nutrition and I'm only going to eat, you know, those wholesome unprocessed foods, but then they turn around and say, but I don't understand because I'm not in a deficit because I'm not losing weight, that maybe you need to look at your portion sizes. And often the portion sizes you may be used to eating may not really be realistic to what the portion sizes should be for you to be consuming. I want to share a little personal experience that I have with this. So back in high school, this was what, 2009, I think, 2009, 2010, my boyfriend at the time, he was very much into this paleo and primal living and he was an athlete and a crossfitter and he pretty much stayed away from carbs after following, what is it, Mark Sisson? Is that his name? He was like one of the big primal guys, primal blueprint or whatnot. And he gave a lot of advice on this paleo diet. And so this was the first time in my life that I actually found myself gaining weight without, after focusing on my nutrition to create a physique that I liked. But the problem was is that I had transitioned a little bit more into this like no bread, no carbs type deal. And I was eating a lot of trail mix with almonds and dark chocolate and dried cranberries, so like craisins. And I was eating... Uh, what else was I eating? Just a lot of protein. I would even have ice cream that was like more full fat. And I was wondering why I was gaining weight when I was eating all of these healthy things. Well, the truth is, is that the weight gain came from eating more calories than my body needed to maintain or lose weight, whichever my goal was, which was at 17, it was probably just to maintain. And then finally, it kind of clicked like, oh, okay, I'm gaining weight because of the calories, the calories from these fat foods like almonds, and dark chocolate or even using like more oils instead of having bread or oatmeal or whatnot, I was just putting myself into a caloric surplus. So it didn't really matter that I was eating all of these quote unquote healthy foods or eating primal or paleo or like even it was more keto than before keto was really that popular. It didn't result in the type of physique that I wanted. 
Yeah, and that's a very good example of realizing that you can be eating to a style of eating, thinking that this is going to help you, you know, get you to the physique that you want or make the changes in the in your physique to support your activity, but in reality it still was skewed. So you right. may be, you know, picking the appropriate foods, but the portion sizes were off from what you needed. Right. And so it was about portion size. And so it absolutely can be done. You can choose to eat a keto style diet or a lower carb style diet or any type of, you know, eating style that's out there as long as it fits the portion sizes, which then equate to what the macronutrients are because each portion size is full of a combination of macronutrients or just one or two of them but that's how you know the macros add up so you can do it side by side simultaneously eat a certain style but also hit your macros and you'll have the same results as someone who eats a little bit more freely like that flexible dieting thing where they don't completely eliminate food groups or anything they just limit their intake their portion sizes Exactly. So taking this information and then moving forward and how you can apply it, now that you get the idea that weighing your food is going to give you more accurate amount, and I do want to, again, just sort of help you understand why our philosophy is to weigh the food versus using a cup or a spoon, because a cup, foods, for example, like that Honey Nut Cheerios is not going to weigh as much as something like another cereal, which has been a favorite one of mine lately, grape nuts. Grape nuts, if I went out and I had a half a cup of grape nuts and put it on the scale, I can tell you, I usually you know, eat about 30 grams of grape nuts in the morning, and it's not a lot. It probably is less than a quarter cup. So if I went ahead and I said, well, I'm going to have a half a cup of grape nuts, then I'm going to end up actually having more than two servings, even though it takes up the same physical space as the Cheerios, the weight of it is different. So it is important that when we talk about the weight that you do look at actually physically putting something on a scale so that you get an idea. Now, most certainly you can take that scaled weight, pour it into a measuring cup and see what the measuring cup amount is. And then you know, okay, grape nuts is a quarter cup. That's my portion size. Then tomorrow I can go and use my measuring cup. But to be consistent and to get an idea of really eating to a portion size, then you can make the determination whether or not that portion is appropriate for you over the course of time. You know, and people tend to be pretty generous when they take a spoonful of something like peanut Peanut butter, butter. almond butter. Yeah. So when somebody says, oh, I'm just having a tablespoonful, and then they show me a picture of what their tablespoon looks like, you know, a tablespoon is like 30 grams. No, I'm sorry, 15, 16 grams. I'm sorry. That's two tablespoons. So a serving of peanut butter or almond butter is always less than you think it should be. So, you know, those very dense foods, very high impact macronutrient foods, you do extra, you have to pay attention to them. You definitely do. But again, someone who is transitioning, like I said before, from somebody who eats, and this was in the first episode, I talked about somebody that may eat fast food, 
all day long and then they switch to eating healthier, it's kind of the same thing. So if you are switching to tracking macros, you're brand new and you're using the measuring cups and the measuring spoons and whatnot, you still can make progress if your estimation is pretty good. Um, it does require you understanding like what a portion size is. And with our clients, we give them a portion size guide to help them understand what a good way to eyeball uh, these foods are. But I will say that I have a client that I've been working with for about a year and she just competed. She placed second and third in her classes. She has an incredible physique. Her name's Katie. And I posted about her all over Instagram. But it was so funny because I stayed with her for about two weeks. I was kind of living with her. And she was like, oh, I didn't know you could measure peanut butter on the scale. And I like chuckled and I was like, what? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, I just like use the tablespoon. And so her whole prep, this whole year that we had been working together, she wasn't weighing, you know, certain things out and like, look at her physique. She looked incredible. So it can be done, especially if you have a good eyeball. I just want to say, if you measure things using spoons, you know, like tablespoons, and if you're using measuring cups, you have to be really correct in your measuring. So you take the spoon and you level it off. And then you most certainly can use a tablespoon. The majority of people- But what I'm saying is that she didn't even do that. So, but she still ended up, you know, and, and that did come from just some pretty good guessing. But so it's not to say that it absolutely can't be done, but now that she knows how to put the peanut butter on the scale, zero it and take her spoon and get the correct portion size out, she's able to just be even more accurate. So the scale is a very helpful tool, just like- my fitness pal is a helpful tool and they are all things that you learn. They help you to learn the portion sizes. So after years of measuring how much three ounces of chicken is, I can have a pretty good guess at it. So it's not something that needs to be used for the rest of your life, but it's a great learning tool, just like tracking macros. Absolutely. And I encourage people, one of the big questions that we get is, will I have to track macros forever? And one of the things that I really encourage people to do is when you are spending time tracking, because you're working towards, you know, hitting your macros for your personal goals, that you occasionally give yourself a little test, you know, it's sort of like guess the weight and see if you're getting the portions correct. And you'll probably get better and better and better at it as you go on and do it. I've been doing this for years, so I know I am usually pretty close when I just say, oh, I'm going to have X number of you know grams on the scale on something, and you get used to your portions. And that's how you learn to live with the appropriate portions. One other thing is realize that you know, when we have all of these metrics, the numbers for the macros, and even the labels on the food, there are going to be errors, okay? There's going to be data entry errors in the food tracker. There's lots of labeling errors as well on food labels. So you do want to be careful that you become a little bit of a label sleuth and people will often appreciate it because it's one of the things they want to improve upon their nutrition. Well, you can't really improve upon your nutrition unless you learn how to read a label. And so then you can start to spot things that may seem a little bit off. You're thinking, hmm, I had referenced the caloric contribution of each macronutrient in our last podcast, and I'll mention it again today, but you can do a quick little check on your food label because for every gram 
of carbohydrate there is in that food, if you multiply it by four, that will give you how many calories carbohydrates are contributing to the food. If you do the same thing with protein, multiply it by four, that will give you the calories contributed to that food from protein. And then fat, you multiply by the number nine. All those three together should add up to the total calories contributed to that serving size of that food. It is a quick little litmus test of whether or not that food label is correct. And then also when you check in your food tracker, that make sure, kind of do a double check and say, well, this is the food I eat frequently. I want to make sure I'm using the appropriate item in my tracker so that you're not doing a data entry. I'll share the importance of this with an example. I had a client who had just recently started tracking her macros and it must've been like her fourth or fifth day tracking macros. And she sent me an email asking, she says, I don't understand by my second meal, I have far exceeded my protein intake. So I said, well, let me see what you're doing. And I logged into her food tracker And she had 150 grams of protein, which was her protein goal. And I saw at her second meal of the day, she used a protein powder and she used one serving size. But the data entry, instead of 150 calories, somebody had data entered 150 grams of protein. No wonder this woman was going way over her protein goals according to the tracker, but in reality, she wasn't. So it was easy for me to see that. And I just said to her, let's scan your actual protein powder you're using and let's use that as the base rather than this person's data entry. So you can see sometimes, you know, that calories might not add up when you're using a food tracker, or if you're entering something in, it just looks a little miss. It's nice to know that you can do a quick little check on that to make sure that you're not throwing yourself off. Anything you want to add on that, Elle? No, I think that's great. I think that a lot of people will see things like a low carb bread and it will say like it only has four net carbs or something like that. And you'll think, oh, okay, so this serving of bread, say it's two slices, only has seven grams of carbs when in reality it has 20 grams of carbs. But they subtract the fiber from that food and they tell you that there's only, what did I say, seven grams of carbs in that serving, but the calories are way higher than if there were seven grams of carbs in that food. So you'll notice that a lot of people will say, okay, well, I hit my macros, but my calories are 200 or 300 calories over, but I hit all my macros. That is a sign that some of the things that you may have tracked are not accurately matching up with the true amount of carbs, protein, and fat that was in that food. It could be incorrectly labeled, or I think they're somehow allowed to misreport those things and tell people there aren't carbs in there? Is that legal? I guess so. Well, this is a conundrum with food labeling laws. And there are regulations and ways that companies can state something about, they can make a claim about a food. And sometimes it can be confusing for the consumer because you don't know all the details. And it is unfortunate Some of them are very clear and some of them are very obtuse. So we direct our clients to just look at the protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And yes, you can glance at the fiber, but don't subtract and don't go by the net carbs, go by the regular carbs. And, you know, the differences 
in what you don't absorb to what you really absorb for calories is so small. You're better off playing it safe and just saying, I'm taking in the full amount of carbs. You know, and the net carbs, some people with diabetes and certain medications, they can manipulate it. But for everyday healthy people, I say just track the regular carbs. Don't worry about the net carbs. Perfect. Yeah. So what we've covered the past 30 minutes may seem like a lot of numbers, a lot of, you know, this and that, and but look out for this rule, look out for that rule. The best way to do it and to understand it is to open up that app, start plugging in the foods that you eat, and just take a look at them. The first few days of it, and maybe even the first two weeks may seem like, I don't understand this at all, but the more that you do it, the better that you'll get at it. Absolutely. And realize that when you start to track your food, it is part of the process of learning to make different choices. And so when you do put your food in and then you start to look at it, you might say at the end of the day, gee, you know what? I did hit my macro goal, but maybe my stomach feels like it still has some room for food. Well, maybe you want to look at some different sources of foods that will give you more volume. Or sometimes we have people who have very high calorie needs, very high macro needs, but they get too full and they can't reach them. So then we might encourage them to start to switch to foods that might be more nutrient dense. So there are choices to be made. Or for example, you look at all your food intake for the day and you realize, you know, that your protein intake is on the very low side, then you can start to look and make choices on selecting foods that maybe have a slightly higher protein intake if that's your goal. So once you get what you're normally eating put in for a few days, you can then step back and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. How do I make a change so that I can have my nutrition goal, my food intake match my nutrition goal? And you know, that we talked about the portion sizes. So now talking about the things that you can do beyond that, and that's changing your food choices. So for example, this is where sometimes we'll go into a little more detail with people talking about like, do you need a little more fiber? Well, maybe we do want to increase your fiber, but you're hitting your carbohydrate goal in general, but maybe your fiber intake is really low. So we might take a look at what you're eating for your carbohydrates and are you eating, you know, are you taking a lot of carbohydrates in through something like maybe orange juice or like a sugary cereal? Those are some examples of some higher carbohydrate foods, but very low in fiber. So we talk about alternatives. Maybe you can have an orange instead of a glass of orange juice and that will give you more fiber. And maybe you can have a cereal that might have a little bit more fiber in it as well. Maybe something like Instead of Fruit Loops, maybe have Kashi Golina is a very popular one. Yeah. Does brand brand cereal have some fiber in it? Brand there? cereal has a lot of fiber, yeah. Yeah. So it really is just about your food choices and recording what you eat and then looking back and being like, oh, I see that I had, you know, a bunch of candies from work at my desk for my afternoon snack. And then on the way home, I didn't have food prepared. So I stopped at Pizza Hut. And yeah, maybe I did hit my calorie goals or whatnot, but I didn't hit my protein and I didn't hit my fiber. So that's where you go back in and you say, okay, I really like Pizza Hut. And I do like to have those candies every once in a while. But tomorrow I'm going to plan my day out. I'm actually going to pack a dinner for me to eat 
on my way home from work, on my way to the gym, or have it prepared in the fridge. So when I get home, all I have to do is reheat it and then bring a snack. Maybe you want to bring some rice cakes and some almond butter and then have one piece of candy. So you can still enjoy those things and you can still make it work, but it just involves you going and looking at your personal I don't want to say weakness, but maybe the personal hurdles that you need to get over in order to change your food intake, not completely, but so you can fit in a little bit more of that nutrient-dense food so you can make the most out of the calories that you're eating in a day. Exactly. And things like even, again, a common situation is somebody who might have chicken every day I might ask them a little bit more information because maybe looking at what they're consuming during the day, their fat intake is very high. So I might say, well, okay, tell me a little bit more about this chicken you're having. They say, well, I have chicken wings or I have a chicken thigh and skin. So I say, okay, well, that food is not only protein. That's a food that also has fat. So if we're trying to reduce your fat intake, how can we reduce the fat but still keep your protein up? That would be swapping out something like a chicken breast versus you know a chicken thigh with skin. So it would have no skin and it would be the white meat of the chicken. There you have a great protein source, but the fat intake would be different for the same physical amount of food. So if you put 90 grams of both of them, that chicken breast will have much lower fat content than the chicken thigh and skin. So that's another example of picking a different, it's still chicken, but it's a different part of the chicken and it is going to have completely different nutrition components. And then I might ask them, well, how are you cooking the chicken? Well, I am deep frying it. Well, Again, that's adding things back. So when you start to look into what you're actually consuming, you have to look at it, even those foods that are your basic foods, what are you doing to them? Are you adding sauces? Are you adding seasonings? I think, Al, you made a reference to having coffee, but then adding, you know, somebody adding creamer and sugar to it, you have to count the creamer and sugar as well. So it's being aware of everything. So the same thing goes for how you cook and prepare your food. So say that you add in a little bit of olive oil when you're cooking your say green beans because you're pan frying them or you're putting them in the oven, you do have to account for some of the oil that is used. So I think that probably covered a couple of things about food choices. I do want to briefly touch on tracking specifically cooked and raw, say vegetables or meats. So Jill, do you want to explain a little bit about, say, let's use uh, ground turkey for an example. Okay, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and talk about the weight of it when it's raw and the weight of it when it's cooked and how to properly track those cooked meats or the raw meats, because I know that's a big question from a lot of people. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so think about what raw ground turkey looks like and what cooked ground turkey looks like. I think most people who have had the experience of cooking also notice as you are cooking it, you know, you'll see evaporation, the water is being evaporated and some fat is being cooked down into the pan. So you can visually see that. So if you weighed four ounces of raw ground turkey before you cook it, you cook it and then you go back to weigh it, there's going to be some loss And most of that loss will be water, maybe a little bit of fat, but not quite as much as you think. And so 
when people go ahead and they say, well, I had four ounces of, you know, ground turkey, I often will ask them, is that raw or is that cooked? And the most important thing is that however you, I guide people to measure it as they consume it, track it as they consume it, it just makes it simpler. You most certainly could weigh before and after. And I will talk a little bit about how to deal with things that you cook with water, such as rice. And I'll talk about that in a second. But for the most part, I usually suggest when you're cooking your foods that you just weigh it in the form that you're going to eat and then record it in the form that you're going to eat. So if you have ground turkey, look for that ground turkey cooked in your tracker. And again, the more information you put in that little search bar at the top when you're food tracking, the closer you will get to an item that matches what you're consuming. So you might type in cooked ground turkey, 94% lean in grams. That's how I do a search because then it will come up with the food items that match that very, very specific item that I'm looking for. So for example, when you are searching in MyFitnessPal and say you want to cook four ounces of the ground turkey, if you were to cook it just by like one serving size at a time, so say that you made a turkey burger and you took four ounces of that raw ground turkey and you put it in a pan or on the grill or whatever you do, and then you take it off after it's cooked and you weigh it, that four ounces typically it's not completely accurate. It loses about an ounce. So what I like to do is if I am kind of mixing like the raw weight and then comparing it to the cooked weight, generally it loses about an ounce. So three ounces of that cooked ground turkey is equal to what it says on the back of the package that is four ounces. So that three ounces of cooked ground turkey will have the nutrition profile of that four ounces raw. Does that make sense, Jules? Would you say that that's pretty accurate? Yeah, I think for a lot of people that will give them a good baseline. And that's very helpful too, if you're cooking in an entire package and you scan the entire package, but then you might only have one fourth of the package. So if you scan the whole thing and it comes out and it says the whole package of this is this, but you're only eating you know, one quarter of that, then that's just another way to manipulate the math to come up with the same. Right. So when you enter it, it would be the serving size is just one quarter of the whole package. So the most important thing here is that you definitely want to make sure that you're entering in what you intend to enter in and that your portion size, again, matches what you consume. So, you know, you can choose to do it on the raw side, just make sure that that's what you're measuring and then you're consuming it entirely. If you're cooking a large quantity of food, sometimes it's just easier to do it after. So there's no right or wrong there. You just have to find one that you're going to follow and have it be consistent with. Right. And I generally recommend using the cooked form of it just because it allows you to eat at a friend's house, eat out at a restaurant and eyeball the cooked portion of it and log it as cooked because you're not, unless you're someone who absolutely never eats anybody else's food, which in some cases of people in show prep, they do prefer to, you know, log it raw and measure it 
raw just for complete and total accuracy. But for the everyday person that is aiming to be the most accurate, consistency will always win. So choosing those cooked portions and making sure that the one that you choose is for the cooked version of that meat. And the same thing can go for produce, anything that cooks down like vegetables. It's a very similar thing. Just make sure you're matching what you log to what you weigh. Yes. And this is a very, very technical podcast, a little different from what we usually talk about. It is, but people need to understand these basics if they're going to be successful in the long run. Because if you do miss out on these basics, it's like trying to you know, run without learning how to walk first. Exactly. And this is, I'm just going to insert a little bit about why so many fad diets actually come about and why even doctors will tell people, oh, just cut carbs out. Because most people struggle with portion sizes of things and being accountable for what they consume. So it's far easier for some people to say, well, I'm just going to eliminate that entire food or food group because it's so hard to manage portion size. And I'm going to use the example of rice. And I'm going to talk, I want to share this here because this is one of the foods that a lot of times people struggle with. And they say, well, I'm just not going to have any rice or pasta because I don't know how to have a reasonable portion and how to track it. So that was me for a little while. I was yeah, I was like, it, I don't know how to track rice. So the only rice that I'm gonna eat is one that I can cook in the microwave and just split in two and I can scan the label on the package. Because and most people find that cooking rice is the most complicated thing <laughs> to do because the measurement on the box or the bag, if you're gonna cook it like if you're gonna boil it or use a rice cooker or anything, it can get really confusing. So Joel's explain it and I will go back to this podcast and I will listen to it when I want to have some rice. <laughs> exactly. So one of the complicated things about foods that absorb water is that, you know, we're kind of going in that reverse of like the ground turkey, you know, as we cook it, it loses water. Those other things, the starchier carbs that we cook with water, they swell up. And, you know, I always use the example of oatmeal. I love my oatmeal so dry, so hard, you could throw it like a baseball. And other people like it soupier and more like the liquid hot cereal. And so your serving size might look so very different from mine, and it probably even weighs different because of the water weight, okay? Yeah, I like my oatmeal like porridge, and I add tons of water, and it ends up at this like big voluminous bowl, but it's probably the same amount of carbs. It's the same serving that Joel's may eat, but it looks completely different. Exactly. So this is what I suggest with pasta that you, you know, boil water, throw the pasta in, and then you drain the water. It actually is a little bit easier than rice. So you would look at the box of pasta and it would tell you, you know, X number of servings, say it's six servings for that box. If you prepare it according to directions, and then what you do is you drain the pasta, but I weigh the entire drained cooked pasta. And then I divide it by six. And then that would be my portion size. But then I know what the weight is. So for example, I cook the pasta and it weighs 1200 grams. I'm just going to do this for super ease. And then I know, well, that box made six servings. And so total weight is 1200 divided by six. That means that one serving is going to be 200 grams. So you can see now I can plunk 200 grams of pasta on that food scale. And that is my serving size according to the macros per serving on that box. 
so that I can then decide, well, maybe I don't quite want that much, but I can divide that 1,200 by however many servings I want. Maybe I want to get 12 servings in there, so it would only be 100, okay? So there's that little exercise in math. Rice is a little different because rice, depending on the type of rice, depending on how much water you put in, depending on how long you cook it for, it will vary. So with the rice, I weigh my rice before I cook it. So I know on the box, it might say 600 grams, right? And then I cook it. But then at the end, it's swelled up with all the water and maybe with 1800 grams, but I want to have six servings. So one serving would be 300 grams of weight. So you can see how it started out at 600, but it swelled up, but then I needed to divide it by the servings. So it just is a lot simpler when you do it than my explanation, but I do weigh rice and those grains that swell before I cook and then divide it up after so I know that I'm making account for the water that it served. And so then you can make that decision. Great. Now I can have that. I know what my portion size. If you cook your rice consistently, you don't have to, you know, worry about it because you got the formula right there. And it really is a lot easier than it sounds, but it will give you perfect portion size and perfect ability then to increase or decrease your portion according to what you think, you know, the rest of your day and your macro goals that you're reaching. So hopefully that makes sense. Any questions about that? Any clarification? (laughs) Are you, are you asking the, the no, audience? Or me? So I think that's great. And I think that this episode has really been very technical and it is all the ins and outs of kind of the tricks and the things that you need to know to be able to track the most accurately. And I think that that's probably a good start to finish for today's episode. And we can dive in into a part three on a couple of things involving estimating, eating out, refeeds. And then we're going to dive in a little bit more and talk about how to manipulate the macros. And we'll use a little avatar person for all these examples. So in our next episode, be on the lookout and it will talk a little bit more about manipulating macros to reach physique goals for fat loss or lean muscle gain or them simultaneously. Yes. And one of the important factors to remember in all of this, tracking macros may seem to be drudgery work at the beginning. Once you get into the swing of things, like we covered quite a few of the frequently asked questions at the beginning when people are saying, well, okay, I logged in what I've been eating, but now what? Like, how do I interpret it? How do I change it? How do I even log in foods for portion sizes when I don't really have an idea of what I'm doing here? So hopefully you picked up a few tips and tricks to help you along your journey to being more accountable with your food choices and really have your nutrition work for you. You know, you're going to put the work in now, but the work will result in the things that you want to have happen and put a new perspective on your foods and food choices, hopefully, so that if you're struggling with a relationship with foods, that you might get a better perspective on what is this food doing for me. That's a great way to put it, though. And I think if we do begin to think about food, okay, how does it fuel me? How does it make me feel? A big thing that I find that when people start tracking macros, they say before they even see the physical changes, they say, 
I didn't know that I could feel this good. And it was just by managing a little bit more, planning a little bit better the foods that you are eating. So it really is this, it's like the core of making you feel better. And then the next best thing is that when you stick to it and you're consistent with it, you'll see those physical changes in your physique just by simply doing this you know, these little mathematical equations, a little bit of math homework for you guys, but you will feel so good. Absolutely. It really is for many people, once they start this journey, they learn so much about really what makes them feel good and how you can have a lot more control over what you put into your body once you become aware of what is out there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jules. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And for you all listening, please leave us a rating and a review. We would love that. And if you want to get notifications when this podcast does come out, which will be every Thursday, you can just subscribe to the iTunes channel. We're also on SoundCloud. If you do not have iTunes available to you, you can listen to all of the episodes on SoundCloud. And you can find us on Instagram at Team Best Fit Body is our team Instagram. For programs, you can go to Best Fit Body com, And you can reach Jules and myself through email through the website or our separate Instagram accounts, which are down in the description box. So thank you, everybody. And we will see you next week.